Well, many thought that the Buffalo Bills would show up at Gillette Stadium on Sunday and destroy the New England Patriots. I think I picked 41-10 to 10 or something like that. That was not the case. The Buffalo Bills, who made it interesting, took the lead late. Yeah. You know, they were on the ropes. They found right. a way to punch off. Right. But the Patriots drove down the field. And that Bills defense, look, here's the problem. We spend so much time talking about what's wrong with the offense. Their defense has been decimated by injury. They yes, didn't have Ed Oliver yesterday. Right. He'll be back. Daquan Jones, IR. Matt Milano, that was the killer. You mentioned that when it happened a few weeks back. Out for the season, completely changes that right. defense. Heart and soul of the defense. So when you're in a position where Tredavious you give White. up yeah, 29 points to one of the worst offenses in football, you're going to have to score 30. That's how it works. They scored 29, high-end analytics here. you got to score 30 if you want to win, and the Bills' offense isn't built to consistently score 30 points. 29-25, the Patriots win. Most surprising outcome of the day. I don't know what it means going forward for the Patriots. Yeah. Hey, congratulations, you got your second win. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to start knocking off victories. They still have very fundamental problems. I think this just says more about the Bills are just kind of listless and lifeless and the, and the Jenga town. I mean, it's a perfect metaphor for the team I, I, because all year it's wobbly and it's just it feels like it's going to fall at some point. Four and three through seven games – that is not where the Bills wanted to be. And when you consider how dominant they were for three of their wins, right. how in the hell are they four and three? I mean, you're talking about the banged-up defense. That is real. There's no doubt about it. I mean, those are some big-time difference-making football players on the team. I think they even got a few guys that are probably playing and not even 100%. You know, like Gregory Rousseau has been dealing with some issues there. You know, they lost Daquan Jones, too. That was another big loss, a big guy in the middle. They don't have a ton of big guys there. I mean, that was definitely part of the shock of the day. I think that was the biggest shock of the day. You know, the fact that the Patriots kind of moved the ball consistently in both avenues of offense as far as throwing or running on the Buffalo defense, right? But, but yeah, to start the game, I mean, the Bills came out, um, I don't know. I don't want to say, like, not charged up or ready to go, but certainly not on their A game. You know, the Patriots go down, long field goal drive, get three points. Then Josh Allen tries to force a ball along the right sidelines. It's just cover three. Jabril Peppers is the curl flat guy. He gets underneath it. Interception. They go down and get a short field touchdown. So, I mean, the game is just getting going there, and Buffalo's down 10 nothing, and giving a team that's lesser than them a little confidence, a little jump off point there. And then it became from that point where we've seen the Patriots be a, a, a solid defense this year they are it's, it's respectable there's no doubt about that and then we get into the same conversation we always get into Mike it just it's it's three weeks in a row where I've seen three teams do the same thing don't let them throw a 50-yard bomb don't let them run around crazy all game and really there's not much else to their offense and if we could stop those two elements I don't know what they're going to do to move the ball on us consistently through the game and it just is too much on big number 17 on a on a play-by-play -play basis. And he he's, does everything for them, and that's where it's just not fair. And you know what? I do not say this flippantly at all. I think there would be value in this. They need to have some sort of an intervention with the entire offensive coaching staff and the starting lineup with a sports psychologist. Because you know what happens? We talked about this last night in the, the uh, Sunday recap that we do. You go off to do your podcast and yeah. we stay in here and do that right. thing for about 20, 25 minutes. And 
Number one, number one, first of all, Bill Belichick knows the teams in his division well. He yes, knows he them well. Right. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He knows how to coach up his team to beat you with whatever he has. But number two, every time the Bills get behind, they have this, oh, crap, there's a button somewhere we can press to get a 14-point play. And Jason Garrett made this point last night. And this is all, look, grand scheme of things. Brian Dayball, offense coordinator, does a great job. So great that he's the head coach of the Giants. Right. Ken Dorsey becomes the offensive coordinator. How many opportunities has he really had to settle into that job? Like from day one, 2022 season, you got Josh Allen, you got Stephon Diggs, you got Super Bowl expectations. Yeah, right from the get-go. Right? And, yep. and you're, you're really not settling in. You don't get a chance to make mistakes and learn from your mistakes. It's go win, go win, go win big. Yeah. 35 points a game, 42 yeah. no points a game. No learning curve here. And I think part of it too, and this is the point that Coach Garrett made, there's and you've talked about this with other quarterbacks. The guy's so good. There's just this assumption he'll save us. Yeah, that, we don't need to right. come up with a right. great play, right. great scheme. We don't have to be patient. Right. We don't have to have a broader chess match here that we're trying to win. Just give the ball to 17, and and he'll save the day. And there's that. And they so they need to tear down the way they're thinking about their offense. Yep. And build it up again. Agreed. From the standpoint of not how are we going to get a spectacular play? How are we going to get the ball to Stephon Diggs? How are we going to placate him so he doesn't blow a gasket on the sideline? And right. we know that's real. I'm sorry. Love Stephon Diggs, but we know that's real. Sure. They have to tiptoe on eggshells because what's going to set him off? And it's getting closer. We saw, saw him after the game. And I know. We saw it with Devontae Adams last week. Guys want to win. And they think if you give me the ball, we win. Right. And it's not being selfish. No, it's, it's all caught up in one thing. Crazy competitive I believe desire. you get me the ball right. and I'm going to win. So right. that, we got to strip all that out. Yep. What's it take to win games? What's it take to move the ball effectively? What's it take to make this offense work in a cohesive way with a real identity that sets us up for success later? Whether we're setting up you know, a play action off of some effective running. We're running the ball. We're running the ball well. We're running the ball repeatedly. We're wearing down the defense. Oop, play action, second and six, and Stephon Diggs is gone. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they don't wait for it to naturally happen in the flow of the game. They try to force it. Well, I, I, I think you're, you're on to something. I, and, 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 like, let me try to clean it up maybe more in a – football way because I think you're spot on here and just going yeah like what is it that you have to defend other than throw a, bo a bomb by Allen or him scrambling right what is it about their offense that jumps out to people through the screen where you go wait we know 17's awesome but wait what makes them so hard to stop it can't just be him making unbelievable plays right what is it about their offense that defenses have to go oh wait they do this so good and that's where it's a big question mark, and it's a missing blank spot. Because what we've seen, they've been severely outplayed three weeks in a row, lucky to beat the Giants. And what we've seen there is that teams have opted just, like, we, like I said, take away the big pass and take away his scrambling, and all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, there's not much else there. I don't think they're going to turn into a running football team here. So uh, one of the things I suggested on my podcast last week, and you've heard me say this about the Bengals a little bit, Become the best short-passing offense in football, then. If you're going to play through Josh Allen and do that way, then have more plays 
to where he can just get it out and boom, it's five, it's eight, it's six. Here's a screen. Boom, five, eight, dig screen. Oh, Gabe Davis screen. Oh, another six, eight, boom. That'll get defenses to start worrying. You have to make the defense worry about something other than just stopping one guy. That's not conducive to a successful formula and going on to win the Super Bowl or winning multiple playoff games. You know, he's so good that he they're going to beat the teams that are kind of middle of the road in the NFL. It doesn't even matter. But with the current state of their defense and the way they're banged up, there's going to be more pressure on the offense now. Like you're like you're talking about here. And they're going to have to execute. And yeah, he can get frustrated himself like the first interception just being too aggressive there. He fumbled later in the game. It was 16-10 at one point and they went for it on fourth down where I went, "Huh, it kind of feels like a field goal game. They don't want to kick the field goal. They didn't get that fourth down, right? They missed a field goal at another point." You know, so it just was a disappointing game and I think the the the, the it, it's just it's it's kind of apparent and I think I'm hoping the public and everybody starts to realize that it's it's Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. And once you stop that, co- I mean, uh, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, and once you stop that combination, nothing else scares any defense that plays the Bills. What we ultimately say about the best offenses in football at any level is pick your poison. That's right. 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 Defend and, the whole field. Right. They make you do it all. Right. We got a lot of things this, we can do. You, you, you react to, to this, we're going to get you here. Right. You react to that, a yin we're for every yang. Yeah. Checks and balances. For the Bills? Say it. For the Bills, yeah. it's poison and it's lemonade. And everybody knows where the lemonade is. Yeah. And they just sit there and drink the lemonade because the Bills are eventually going to get thirsty enough. They're going to drink the poison themselves. <laughs> That's what it is yeah. because everybody knows what's happening. It's like playing Madden. And you know that the person you're playing has that one play that they want to use. And they're, they are bound and determined to use it. Right. So once you figure out how to take that away, yeah. it frustrates yeah, them. Right. They're thinking they're not thinking about the rest of their offense. Yeah. They're just thinking about, we got to do this one thing that we know we do really well. Right. Why won't you let us do that? Right. Why aren't you letting us do our play? I'm telling you. I'm, I'm serious about it. They need, And it starts with Sean McDermott, the head coach of the team. But the offensive coaching staff and the offensive starters – they need to tear it down. I don't know when their bye week is. They need to tear it down. They need a sports psychologist. They need to do something to get these guys to let go of the fact that Josh Allen is the freak of freaks. And we're just letting him go out there and do freaky things because you're not winning football games. No. You're four and three. You shouldn't be four and three. And it's because of this ridiculous, obsessive over reliance. On Josh Allen is going to save us. Right. And, and it, it, the, the funny thing is, it's like they don't see it, right? I got so much respect for McDermott and, and you know, what they've done as far as Brandon Bean, what they've built up there. But they do have a blind spot to that area, at least in my assessment. You know, again, and, and maybe there's more factors here that I'm not aware of, whatever else. But I, I know... I'm not the only person that's been saying for basically two years, it's too much Josh Allen. I talk to too many people around football, smart people, and they all see it the same way. Like, what, what, what? I get people like, what are the bills? They're just, it's just Josh Allen, right? And I'm like, pretty much, right? And, and then, of course, with the defense being banged up, they showed potential early in the year to go, ooh, this is going to be a handful of a unit here, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that way at all anymore. I mean, of course not. I mean, are you kidding me? After yesterday, they got to be scared. They got to reassess the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Mac Jones and the Patriots diced them up for the better part of the football game. 
I mean, again, it, it didn't feel like it should be maybe as close as it was, really. It was Allen making crazy plays, playing with his hair on fire late in the football game. Kendrick Bourne fumbles late in the game to give him the ball. And, of course, that kind of you know, helped the Bills get the lead. But, I mean, the, Mac Jones and company, they haven't been able to do Jack Diddley squat on offense. And there they were. He was the most efficient he's been in any game. They were making plays. Demario Douglas, the rookie 81, gives them some juice on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to run the ball effectively enough here, right? But here's, you know, th- there was Hunter Henry over the middle on the big drive to, to set it up. Here was Ramondre Steven, the drive starter. I mean, they throw a swing pass and he runs up the sidelines for 40 yards and then of course the touchdown here where yeah you get to the one yard line in this scenario it's tough on a defense especially when they know wait this team can run the ball on us too so they get a matchup with Gasecki on Teron Johnson he's on an island and they throw the touchdown but yeah it's troubling for Buffalo and the world's worst gritty yeah the world's it's so good that's it's so bad it's good it's the sprinting Gritty. That's not like, even a gritty. He doesn't it's even just high stepping. It's just running. <laughs> it's just running with away with the football. Down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, look, we talk about this with other teams as well. Breaking in a new offense, new offensive coordinator. Yeah. You look at the damage that was done last year to the psyche of Mac Jones with the safety scissors and and scotch tape offense with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Maybe it takes time. Maybe this yeah. is, you know, we're seven weeks in now. And it was always an issue with the Patriots. Once they changed the CBA, reduced the offseason workouts, reduced the padded practices, the first four weeks were always extended preseason for Definitely. the Patriots. Never started off real and, fast. And, and you know, I'm not ready to say they're going to run the table yeah. or, you know, head to the playoffs. But, but maybe yesterday – was that turning point. You know, we've seen different teams. The turning point comes week five, week six, week seven. Maybe that's the turning point for the offense. Maybe they'll be more competitive going forward. Um, so it's not just the Bills crumbling. Maybe the Patriots rising up out of the morass. Well, I think between the injuries on the Bills, D, the Patriots, yeah, probably getting better on the offensive side of the ball, like you're saying, feeling the pressure. And then we talked about a Patriots, D, who, yeah, they're a little banged up in the secondary and certainly not at full strength, but still pretty good. And we know those guys still got – Bill still got some brains there on the defense side of the ball. And it goes back to, yeah, even though they're banged up, you know what they can do? Stop the bomb and Josh Allen from running around crazy. Right? And, and that's where it just, it's got to change, as we talked about with Buffalo. There's just no other element to their football team. Good win for the Patriots. Congratulations to the greatest – head coach I've seen in the history of the NFL, okay? I know I wasn't alive for George Hallis and all that, but for him to get his 300th win yesterday... He didn't seem to care. You, well, you don't need to congratulate him because he was asked about it after the game and he did the grumble. Well, <laughs> well I can speak to this. He loves history of football. <laughs> he will think about it one day. And he is the ultimate, like, not going to get distracted by uh, it. i got to uh, worry about the yeah. Miami Dolphins uh, next week, and that's where I do respect but, it. But, 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 yeah. but, I will say this. But will gonna, say this. He's got 300 wins, I know. okay? Give him, I know. Say, say congratulations, Bill Congratulations, Belichick. Bill Belichick. But, but. <laughs> we had, and I'm not going to name names. Yeah. I'm not going to out anyone. We right. had the conversation in the viewing room yesterday about the very strange, out-of-nowhere report that showed up Top of the hour, 10 o'clock Eastern on NFL Network from Ian Rappaport. Right. That Bill Belichick signed a lucrative contract in the offseason, quietly signed a lucrative contract, and nobody knows anything about his contract. Well, somebody apparently does because you're reporting on it. 
the end result was, the consensus was, and yeah. I'm not going to name names. Okay. This was leaked deliberately by Belichick to take steam out of the talk that he's going to get fired during the season. Right. Because this doesn't change a damn thing about what happens after the season. Yeah. Because if he was safe after the season, Robert Kraft would have said so by now. When Robert Kraft was asked the question back in March, does Bill get to stay until he passes Don Shula or does he have to make it to the playoffs this year? What Kraft said was basically, nothing is guaranteed. I want to get to the playoffs. Yeah. We want all of our players to set records and get statistics. Right. I want to get to it's very important we get to the playoffs. I so, hear you. And and whatever I don't the know buyout if is definitely write a sixty or seventy well, million dollar well, check. Look, we'll see. Well, I don't well, know. But we don't <laughs> even know what it is. I lucrative. Know. Every contract's lucrative. Well I mean it was filled with all these bullshit buzzwords. It just it because what happened was and I saw the narrative. Right. It it had the exact effect it was supposed to have because too many people in the media are just looking for low hanging fruit and they check a box and they move on. Lucrative long term extension, lucrative multi year extension. Every coaching contract is lucrative. How much of it's guaranteed? What would it cost Robert Kraft to move on from Bill Belichick after the season? That's all that matters. Because until he says, I am not making a coaching change after the season, it's in play. I hear you. I hear you. Listen, we'll we'll see. That was a worthless report yesterday aimed at stopping the talk that he might get fired during the season. Maybe. Maybe. I I, I don't know. Um, Sorry to be so candid. I certainly can understand your assessment there. I do. Uh, but, But I do think it's... Yeah, it's something real there. Like lucrative, first off, for Bill Belichick is like he's the highest paid coach in football still. I would think it's right up there. The highest it's paid all coaches. Write-off. It's all a write-off. Well, it's it, all a write-off. It could be, but if you're it's making 18 to stuff, $20 million dollars a year. He's and probably like 25 said, to 30. The guarantee, like most of these top-level coaches, the guarantees are like 90% of what the contract is. There'd so. be an offset for whatever he makes elsewhere, so too. Maybe. Now, I don't, I don't know. Is there going to yeah. be a land rush to hire him? There would have been five years ago. I don't know. He's Yeah, he's maybe 70, he just takes. Maybe just one. Takes, we'll see. We'll maybe see just, where it goes. Maybe he just takes, you know, whatever the term of this lucrative multi-year extension is. He just stays home and takes Robert Kraft. He money. ain't going easily. He's just not. He's going to fight here, and they're going to continue to fight. We'll, well see where it goes. It. Me, and they me, play the Dolphins while, while this the, week. And in the we'll, we'll see what they can do while there. I'm in the neighborhood. Yeah. They, somebody was suggesting that people in the upper reaches of the organization want to tank. Well, good luck getting Bill Belichick to go along with that. Yeah. And, and they've already made it clear that Bill Belichick runs everything. Well, Robert Kraft is going to show up and say, hey, I think we should, you know, play uh, Malik Cunningham at quarterback for the rest of the year, and we should put in second stringers and third stringers because, you know, there's benefit for next year. Uh, Belichick's not going to care. He wants to win as many games as he can. Yeah. So I, it's I, just there's, there's a lot of weirdness going around yes, all this. Yes, there is. They're unstable. And right who now. knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe they've found a way. If they beat the Dolphins next week, holy crap. Yeah. So well, I can't rule out anything after yesterday. They're, they're – <laughs> They're 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 kind of a funny team because they've looked horrible at some points, and then of course we had some moments here earlier in the year where you go, they seem like they were better than a two and five football team. I mean, they were toe to toe with the Eagles and Dolphins. We know that, but that Saints Cowboys stretch there where they were outscored, what was it, seventy two to three? Yes, that was just like what that that's not normal there. So you know, what are they as a football team? We'll see. They do have some games that are winnable, you know, on, on their coming up on their schedule. Dolphins this week, of course, not easy. But Commanders, Colts, Giants, Chargers, Steelers, okay, Chiefs, then Broncos. I mean, some of those, I wouldn't be shocked to see the, the, the Patriots win more than they lose in that little stretch there. There's a lot of pride on the line here. The players, you know, Matthew Judon, who's injured, 
the way he was celebrating on the sideline. I mean, there's a lot of strong desire there to turn this around. Yeah. And who knows what they're going to do. We've seen crazier things happen. And of all the teams to be in a hole like this, if you're trying to dig out of it, you want the greatest coach of all time in Bill Belichick. And, you know, we poke fun at time to time. I mean, I, I wonder why he's the way he is with the media. And it's yeah. not a great look, I yeah, think. I hear you. I, there's a way to not be that much of a jerk and still keep your secrets but he's still a great coach. Yes, he is. And for any of these teams that are two and five right now, the one that I would feel the best about is Bill Belichick turning it around. Yeah. If any of them are going to do it, it's going to be him. Yeah, I hear you there. I, 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 I look at them and, you know, we'll see. There, there's not a ton of talent on their football team. I still worry about explosive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe DeMario Douglas can, can offer that up a little bit. I kind of worry about the same element on the defensive side of the ball. I think they played a team that they match up well with the Bills. Good win by them. But, yeah, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure I'm ready to say they're going to right the ship here, you know, down the, the second half of the season. All right, let's take a break. Ravens fans, you're getting your moment next. You've been very patient for the an Ravens. hour and seven minutes. The most impressive win yesterday no came between doubt. a battle of behemoths in Baltimore where the Ravens kicked the living you-know-what out of the Detroit Lions. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Do you feel the way you guys came out today? Was was this a statement game in any way for you guys? Yeah, I mean, you guys can define all that stuff the way you want, and that's cool. You know, we're going to just define it in terms of what we think we're capable of playing like. And I, I promise you all the different things in that game that we feel like we can do better. But the things that we did well, and you know, we stand on and we build on, and things we can do better, we got to take with us out to Arizona and find a way to keep getting better. So uh, that, that kind of creates a vision for what we can be. Uh, but let's go be even better. Baltimore Ravens finding their footing with Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator. We knew it was going to take time. Here they are, seven games in. They're five and two. They had their most impressive performance of the season by far. The Lions came in with that Super Bowl shine, thirty-eight to Chest six. Puffed they out. Yeah, I'm and Teams five are, and one. People and, are talking about us being a real Super Bowl contender, yeah. right? Yeah, right. And and I finally gave in. I had been beaten down by all the Lions fans. You pick against us. You don't believe, and it's like fine. If only to get you off my ass, <laughs> I'll pick the Lions to win. Right. And thanks thanks for nothing, Lions. <laughs> thanks for letting me down. 38-6, to six, and it was never even close. No, we it, disagreed on that one. Kudos to you. Bravo. Golf yeah, clap. Yeah. You picked the Ravens. Thank you. Well thank done. You. It, it's a good match. Now, now let, let me just say yeah, this. Let me say ahead. this. Yeah. I, I didn't expect this now, but it's fine. Okay, so what the Ravens did, and I got a problem with this. Because this isn't every single person that picks games. It's right. not like the football night in America. They just found everybody that picked the Lions. Yeah, and plenty of people picked the Ravens. Right. So that's kind of a that's kind of a misleading approach. And yeah. also, yeah. if we put that back up, yeah. And I'm not going to name your names name on here. There? Yeah, my name's on. <laughs> but because my son sent it to me, and but because my point was, Sims picked the Ravens. Other people pick the Ravens. Right. This isn't what you think it is, Ravens social media team. And by the way, there's a couple names on there that I will not name. But when I saw those names, I don't know who they are. <laughs> and I follow football as closely as anyone, and I know all the names. I know all the reporters. I know all the analysts. At least I know the names. Yeah. There's a couple names on there that I think they made so up. They're fishing. They're fishing. I think they yeah. made up. Right. There's a couple, like there's someone from NFL Network I've never heard of. There's someone from Sports Illustrated I've never heard of. I don't know if they just got a random name generator or they got AI <laughs> or something. But the idea is 
to do it when, like, everybody on Football Night in America. Yeah. Or everybody on ESPN. Right. But just don't go out and say, here are all the people. It was – because it, 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 it it's not like you – know, the Patriots have far greater grounds – to than, be mad than the yeah. Ravens everybody to be pissy about I mean, yesterday. Uh, yeah. There's no way anybody picked the Patriots. The Patriots were suicide pillow picks for everybody yeah. yesterday. I mean, like the so, one team that you guaranteed was going to lose. I get enjoy your victory, enjoy your victory, but but it's just I, there were it was reasonable to think the Lions had a chance to win that game. Yeah. It wasn't some crazy. Pick. No, of course not. Of course not. But Ravens social media team, good do- good job. Keep shitting on Florio. Yeah, I always yeah, love yeah. that. Okay, <laughs> but uh, Ravens matchup. Where was their tweet when they lost to the Steelers? I don't. No, you're right. That's a yes. It's a good point there. Uh, Ravens. Something I've been saying on my pod the last few weeks is a little bit like when I the Ravens are close. I think I've said that to you. And when the Ravens, they've had moments, whether it was last week in London against Tennessee, where you know for two and a half quarters you go, I don't know. This team looks as good as anybody in football, right? They've shown the potential to me on both sides of the ball. Where I go, ooh, I like what I see. It hadn't come together for a four-quarter game and consistency and scoring touchdowns and doing everything that way. But Detroit kills everybody with, first off, they're big. They want to run the ball and stop that. Well, Baltimore's huge on the defensive line, so they didn't have that advantage there. Then Baltimore has got an incredible secondary and really well coached in that department. The Lions on defense, again, pretty big up front. And the one thing that is apparent to me with the Lions is when they play a team like the Baltimore or another team like even uh, the Bucks last week, when they think, oh, wait, they're going to run the ball and try to be physical with us, they overplay the run to an extent where you go, wow, that's, it's extremely aggressive, Mike. Like sometimes where it's, it's third and five and you'll go, they got 10 of the 11 guys all playing for the five-yard completion or the six-yard completion. They're, they're going to stop that. So the Ravens came out with an ag- aggressive game plan was my point. They came out throwing the football. That was cool. Some cool RPOs, Lamar making some plays. Here's the first drive of the game. They get down there close. It's a fourth and one. Lamar keeps it around the edge. Again, they sell out to stop their traditional run. The Lions kind of call your bluff in certain situations, and they go, no, you're not going to do that. And Baltimore came back and said, well, we're not scared to do something a little off-kilter here and make some plays. Lamar has been throwing the ball at – as good as anybody in the game through the last four weeks. And that goes into the Steelers game where he played awesome and they dropped, what, three touchdowns and about 200 yards worth of passes in that football game. But this was the first game where you saw the marrying of the play-action pass, the run game was working, the Ravens are getting healthy on the O-line, OBJ's healthy, Rashad Bateman's healthy, Mark Andrews is healthy, and I think it's all coming together. And they were a team that's going, wait, we're 4-2 and two and we're better than that. And I think they hear the, the noise of the Lions, Super Bowl contenders and all that crap. And we know how that guy works, John Harbaugh there. He probably poked at them all week. Hey, the Lions are coming. They're going to the Super Bowl. Big bad roar. And uh, you said it right. That was an ass whooping there. And Andrews, and I spoke to Andrews after the game. Oh, that's right. They were aware that, you know. Of the hype around it. Yeah, it's the Lions. I mean, this is a chance for them to to finally do what they're capable of doing. When you're a coach and you just want to draw out the best of the people that you are leading, you want them to put it together. And we hear that all the time. We need to have a complete game. We need to have a complete game. Well, the Ravens had a com- finally had a complete yeah, game. Yeah, exactly right. That's it. And we saw flashes of what they could do, what yeah. they should have done to the Steelers. They right. should have beaten the Steelers. Right. The game against the Titans shouldn't have should been have as been close as it was. Right, or a dominant. And yeah. now – and so 
look, you could call it recency bias, or you could just call it the culmination of seven weeks of effort. Yeah, and this and is the new beginning. Upward and now they here. go to the right. Cardinals, and right. and that's the thing that Andrew said to me. We're you know we're, we're the, now we try to separate. That's the key. And then really not at the front of the pack. The Chiefs are. But they're in a position where they can try to separate from the Steelers and the Bengals and the Browns. Unfortunately, the Steelers and the Browns both won yesterday, but they didn't win in the fashion the Ravens did. No. That's a put people on notice. Exactly. Now, you can't, you know, the, the obligation that comes along with a win like that is you have to keep it going. Right. The offense needs to keep growing. Lamar Jackson going through the progressions, distributing the ball. Nine different receivers caught oh, passes. He was on fire. Yesterday. And once people start to see this offense in full bloom, and defensive coordinators have a chance to see what they're doing, how do we counter it? That's where you're constantly evolving, you're constantly growing, all the way even into and through the postseason. What can we do differently to stay ahead of what they're seeing that we've done on film, and they're going to be ready for? And sometimes it doesn't matter when you've got tremendous physical specimens yeah, like Lamar Jackson. Right. You know it's coming, you still can't stop that, That's it. right. And that's the combination. With what they can do physically, yeah. and you put in the creativity, and it starts to click, they become unstoppable. Yeah, I mean that, that's what we kind of like about Detroit. You know, whether they're that at that level yet, of course, we're, we're still kind of seeing, but we, we know Detroit's still really good. You know, I think they got a little bit reading their own press clippings and feeling good about themselves either way, as my old high school coach used to say, Mike Miello. But uh, the Ravens have a little bit of something that you and I admire about, like the 49ers and the Eagles. It's a little bit just like, hey, no, we're bigger than you. We're tougher than you. We're going to bring it to you on both sides of the ball. They got great creativity. Look at I mean, again, the thing you've heard me say the last few weeks, play through the run, right? And they did. They had a lot of good wrinkles off of their run game that ad- ended up in great pass game pass game plays. That last one, a great RPO to OBJ. How about this quarterback sweep? Mark Andrews looks like he's in a block. He releases up the field. It's a you know, at the end of that, what almost happened at the end of that? What's that? Almost had North Korea. Oh, almost at the had end North of Korea. I and know. I asked him about that. Yeah. He said he was definitely aware of it. And the only reason he reached it over is he was 100 percent sure there wasn't going to be an issue. Yeah, he yeah. was definitely aware of the danger. I'm sure they of reaching because we saw it happen yeah. yesterday a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, we did. It one time it was a reach, and one time it was it got knocked out. Yeah, right. It's got to be so hard to turn off that part of your brain that is just I want that. Yeah, touchdown. I want the touchdown. Yeah. I want to reach out. I want to go for it. You saw the long catch by Gus Edwards again, using the element of the run game there, uh, and then he explodes up the sidelines for an eighty-yard gain off a little bootleg into the flat there. And of course, the Lions being so scared of wait, the Ravens are going to overpower us. They're going to run the football. They're committing so many assets to the run that Baltimore called their bluff yesterday. Uh, and, and, and I wasn't shocked by that. I, I felt like it was time for somebody to call Detroit's bluff a little bit on their over-aggressiveness on the defensive side of the ball. And man, Lamar, you know, I think Baltimore is definitely one of the best teams in football. Like I said, when they've played at their best, even before this, I've been saying they look as good as anybody in the sport. Hopefully now with Todd Munkin, like you said, seven weeks in, their defense can rush the passer a little bit. They got a very good secondary. They're extremely creative on the defensive side of the ball. Baltimore's got everything. And uh, I, I, I don't think, you know, for my money, there's any doubt that they're one of the upper echelon teams in the NFL. That's even – no, it's 
Echelon. Echelon? No, no echelon. Oh. No echelon. It's just echelon. Ended right. at the end. I do want to, and Courtney just said she's killing the Dan Campbell sound. I want to hear from Dan Campbell, though, because I haven't heard this. How I want to I wanna listen. Courtney? I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I want to hear. The show still ends at 9 o'clock. <laughs> Whatever we fit between now and 9 is Let the, the show. baby have his Here's bottle. Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell on what the Lions can gain from the loss. It's frustrating. You know, it is. But... Ultimately, hey man, things happen for a reason. The good Lord never gives us anything we can't handle, and and uh, and so we probably needed it. You don't want these to happen, but it, when it does, it recenters you, it refocuses you, and and uh, and that's all I know. Um, I don't want it to happen. Nobody wants to happen. Nobody likes to look over there and watch them having a great time because they kicked our ass. Nobody thinks that's fun, but but I know that motivates me for next week. It motivates our team. So. Um, I know that you'll you'll do any and everything you can not to have that feeling again. So that's all I mean by that. I know everybody's gonna be like, "How can you say that? How can you say it's okay to lose?" And that's not what I'm saying. All right. Um, so it's here. It happened. Um, it'll motivate us moving forward. And, and the shame would be if we don't uh, use this to get better for next week. He was starting to go off the rails with the whole idea that things happen for a reason. It's not preordained. God does not care. Trust me, God doesn't love one team and hate another team. And the people who get so caught up in this idea that God helped pick us to— No, you go out and you play, and you either win or you lose. Every team consists of God-fearing players and coaches. There's no no preordained— This is not as big as you think it is, right? It's not the hand of God reaching down. It's, It's a sport. It's fun. People like it, but it's not some broader societal thing. That kind of got me. The reason I wanted to play that, though. Yeah. And here's the positive okay. that you take away from this if you're the Lions. Yeah. You're not going to see another team like the Ravens until you play the Cowboys. Isn't it 17. unbelievable? They are going to beat the crap out of everybody. They have the easiest. I, I didn't realize it until yesterday. I just pulled up the schedule, too, because I went, you know, I looked at their schedule yesterday. I was about to bring it up to you and go, they don't have a team that they play that's better than them, or even in their class. Or not, not in their Week class. Week seventeen. You're right. Saturday night, December thirty. I mean, it's eight fifteen p.m. Eastern Read it off on ESPN and so ABC. Oh, well, they have the Raiders next, and then they have a bye week. That's the ultimate tonic yeah. to whatever ails them. Then they're at the Chargers, Bears, Packers, at the Saints, at the Bears, Broncos, at the Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. That is for the and they're five and two football. Yeah, that's one of the better schedules. They're looking at fourteen and three at the worst. Yeah, now, now, now. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm a down. Okay, but they're good enough to win all those games. Yes, including the game at Dallas. But that's the only one. If you want to pick one and say that's the one they're most likely to lose, it's that one. Yeah. So okay, thirteen and four. Thirteen and four for the Lions. Maybe not good enough to be the one seed. Yeah, but could be the two seed to where you get two games at home, you know, and then you only got to go on the road once and play the Eagles or the Niners, and you yeah. let one of them have to play each but, other but maybe hey, along the way. You don't know how it goes. 49ers got to play the Seahawks twice. 49ers play the Eagles. Eagles play the Cowboys yeah. twice. They could cannibalize each other enough that you could pull the inside straight if you're the Lions, and you could you could maybe be the one seed. Yes. All okay. right, wait, one more thing before right. we go, because I know we got a break. Schedule, definitely want to hit on that. Here's another thing to watch with the Lions a little bit. I don't know if it's going to really matter because of the way their schedule is and they're indoors almost the whole rest of the season, unbelievably. Jared Goff in elements is something to watch for. 
right? We all were saying it yesterday as we were watching the game. This has been something that's gone on through time. You know, you can even go into last year and, you know, in Carolina, there were some other games too where, yeah, they might have won the game, but you went, Jared Goff doesn't look as crisp. When it's cold or dry or a little windy yesterday, because he does not throw spirals and he can't spin the ball, the ball exploded on him a few times. Where we laughed a few times, right? Not just you and me, like the whole room because we were like, Holy crap, that was a duck. I mean, like quack, quack, was like going sideways, helicoptering in the air. That is something to watch out for. He is definitely, almost like we talk about with Tua, and I worry about that in the elements. Jared Goff, ever since he was the Rams, has been a talking element about in the elements, colder, drier, windy day. Can he push the ball through the air and make the big plays that they are accustomed to making when they're in the dome? I think that's something to watch out for. All the more reason to win all those games we just read off and try to be home for as many playoff games as possible. All right, superlatives for Week 7 next here on PFT Live. I'm tired of this bullshit. It's been seven years of the same. Tired of it. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play in Philadelphia. Jonathan Allen. I we we got a seat for you at the desk here. He's he's our kind of guy. He he's is using our, our kind, kind of, of language. Yeah. Magic Johnson. High level analysis. Disappointing 14-7 loss for my commanders to the New York Giants. It's hard to win in the NFL when you only score seven points. <laughs> it is the touche, Urban Magic Johnson. It is hard to win. You know, there's a genius. Like, is he trying to do that? I don't know. I don't know. He does it all the time. Is he aware so how people react to it? I don't know. I know. I don't. I've never heard him have to Everybody answer it. Everybody Magic. Oh, he's like... The gr- I love Matt. I've always loved Matt. He's the one of the greatest athletes I ever met in person in my life, right? I, I got to meet him when I was young at a quarterback challenge the first time. Okay, just to give a, a little one-minute story here. And, of course, he couldn't have been nicer to me. You know, my dad brought him all, You know, He was hanging out with the quarterbacks, and I'm, hey, man, he's high-fiving me. And what's your name and what sports you play? Then the season comes like seven months later, and – we're at, I'm at a Giants game. I'm sitting in the mezzanine level. I like to used to sit there. And I started to hear people like going, hey, Magic's in the box behind our section here. And I'm going, oh, wow, it's Magic Johnson. So as I'm like going to take a bathroom break at one point, I kind of just like look in there to see Magic Johnson. He sees me, remembers me says hi to me like we were buddies and like man he had me hooked right there that was i mean magic is as as cool as they come yes uh the commander is not very cool cool. yesterday though superlatives time your giants the g-men and we both picked the g-men you thought i was gonna go against the g-men thank god i didn't sorry magic but the big blue wrecking crew was here i mean when we wear those uniforms when the g-men wear those old school 1980 it just brings Zach, the 86 Giants, and I mean, I'm too sexy for your Dexie. Sexy Dexie Lawrence was all over the place. The Giants' D-line absolutely dominated the football game. I mean, pushing people in the face of, of Howell. Of course, the six sacks. We know, you know, the unbelievable job Wing Martindale does stressing out the line of scrimmage and finding ways to stress out protections, I should say. And then even them, not all of them were like, yeah, big guy, get down low. Not all these guys, not all these were like unbelievable pressure. Some of it was coverage, too, where you could see Howell had nobody open. He's holding the ball, and then the walls caved in on him. But the Giants, as we've seen, when they play this style of game, 
17-10, that's where they are. The game goes past 24, they got no chance. But in this right here, this is their wheelhouse. Like they almost upset Buffalo last week. They're very comfortable in that game. They won 14-7. to It wasn't, it shouldn't have been that close, right? I mean, they made some mistakes, certainly, uh, and, and really should have won by at least two scores in this football game. Every time I see those uniforms, I think of one of my most cherished possessions, the Lawrence Taylor jersey, which he signed like he wrote a whole paragraph concluding with a bad mother effort. <laughs> Man, he did not include any dashes. It's all right there. It's, it's all there great. in plain right. writing. Uh, I don't know what this superlative is going to be, and I'm trying to do it in a way that's respectful to Justin Fields, but Tyson Bajant is pretty good. And I don't know what that means for Justin Fields. Yeah. Matt Eberflus, the coach of the Bears, said after the game yesterday, there's no controversy. Fields is a starter. That's fine. But when you're a one-win team and your starter isn't playing and you've got an undrafted kid from Division II Shepherd University who grew up in Martinsburg, West Virginia – Walking out of the tunnel to iconic Soldier Field. Yeah. And that place is legendary oh, cool. and iconic and everything about it. And look at the swagger Tyson Bajan had. Certainly wasn't, you know, scared or. And or it wasn't anything fluky. They the beat the hell out of the Raiders. What? They beat the hell out of yes, them. Yes, they did. Deontay Foreman, three touchdowns. Tyson Bajan has the touchdown pass. He had that great run. He had 60-plus people there. As you said last night, he's playing for free this week, paying for all those tickets. Maybe one of these days he'll have a suite with magic. Oh. Maybe, maybe the family will be crammed in there. But it's incredible what this kid's done. And, you know, the buzz was there in training camp. Yes, it was. They really like him. Right. He's going to be the number two quarterback. He's going to be the number two quarterback. And here's the opportunity to play. And we may see him on Sunday night. If Justin Fields can't go, it's yeah. going to be Tyson Bajan yeah. on Sunday night, Chargers-Bears. I mean, the uh, Bears are playing better football. That, that's for sure. You know, Eberflus doing a good job coaching the defense on that side of the ball. Uh, offensively, we know they've been better, you know, even before Justin Fields got hurt. Yesterday, high percentage passes. You know, he made some plays outside the pocket that we just saw there. Ran a few times. You know, made a few plays in the pocket. Had an awesome sidearm throw down the middle of the field at one point in the football game. But you said it right. I mean, that was a butt whooping the Bears put on them. The Bears just out hit them. They ran on them at will. They found easy ways to get short completions. And you never felt like the Raiders were going to ever really be able to move the ball on that side uh, throughout the game. I mean, the, it really was. It was uh, disappointing for the Raiders to have that type of performance. Brian Hoyer, of course, with some bad turnovers. That wasn't good. And then they can't find ways to make any explosive plays on the offense. They're one of those teams where it's like if Devontae Adams doesn't go off right now, it's kind of like, well, who else is going to do something? Because they've lost their ability to run the ball, and Josh Jacobs is not the same guy as last year. They were forcing the ball to Devontae Adams oh my yesterday gosh. in response to his yes, complaints. They 12 targets, 7 catches, 57 yards. It, it just still – it's still – wasn't enough. I don't know why they didn't go with Aiden O'Connell as the starter. He eventually came in and played for Brian Hoyer. And, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo was injured. But, it, you know, they showed some promise. They'd won a couple in a row, beat the Packers, beat the Patriots. They were at 3-3. Three and three. But after yesterday's game, McDumbass was trending again on Twitter. I know it's been a long day for the Raiders when McDumbass is trending on Twitter because the Raiders fans come out in full force. They want McDaniels out when they have a rough game like that. Yeah, well, it was rough. And, you know, he's an offensive football coach. And, you know, they're missing their starting quarterback. And their running back held out. And, yeah, their offense has not, you know, in training camp, I should say. And then, yeah, their offense has not looked very good this year. Where last year, of course – 
You know, it was the leading receiver in football, the leading running back in football, and, you know, Derek Carr, who really just didn't play great football altogether, and they still seemed better and more competitive than they uh, are at moments this year. They're three and four, but it's a it's an ugly three and four. Well, I got to go to, you know, your team here, your favorite team, black and yellow. But my I guess my superlative is who who needs eyelids? Who needs eyelids when you're going to L.A., as Mike Tomlin said? Uh, They don't blink. You know, in a game where you just go, feels like they're being outplayed. Uh, The the Rams are kind of moving the ball up and down the field, um, doing a lot of things that way. But uh, the the defense and special teams, the other two phases of the game – are what continue to just be a, an annoyance or, or just a something to admire about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, they got a little run game going late in the football game and started to wear down the Rams. But, I mean, really the play of the day, of course, was T.J. Watt with the interception to start the third quarter. That was an unbelievable moment because it's it's Rams 9-3, to you felt like they were in control. They had kind of been moving the ball pretty well in the first half. And there they are. They got T.J. Watt at, at Nickelback. And he reads Cooper Cup making an outbreak, outbreaking route on a little option route. He undercuts it, catches it with his hands. I mean, played it unbelievable for a guy that's supposed to be rushing the passer. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like the Steelers. The Steelers... You know, like I said, outplayed in a lot of ways, but find ways to win the football game because of their physicality and they just never take their foot off the gas. And your complaint, to paraphrase something you said yesterday, the reason you don't like this is it puts them in the playoffs when they shouldn't be there and right. they come up against a team that kicks and the And then we go, man, the, the first wild card game stunk yeah. because – Chiefs, I, th- I picked them to win that game and they were up 7 nothing thanks to T.J. Watt. Right. You got nervous, but yeah. then it was like – 38 to It was something, horrible. Something it was bad. Like I think it was worse That's than that. That's what I worry about. All right, last one very yeah. quickly. This is the Where's Waldo Award, and this is a serious issue in this climate of legalized gambling. The B. John Robinson situation yesterday it was our highest traffic story on the website. Everybody wanted to know where the hell B. John Robinson was. They rarely used him. He had like three snaps in the first half, finally got a touch late in the game. The team had no updates. There was no announcement before the game that he was sick. There right. was nothing in the game that he wasn't feeling well. Arthur Smith told Christina Pink of Fox after halftime that he wasn't feeling well after the game. Smith said something along the way. I'm sorry, folks. This isn't acceptable. NFL, if you want to grab every last dollar you can from DraftKings and FanDuel and everyone else and you want to support this and hype this and – you have to insist on your teams being transparent. You can't allow a guy who was a top 10 pick, one of the fantasy darlings, prop bets, all of that to just hardly play and the team never said boo about it and they just shrug after the fact. As I said earlier with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, Mm -hmm. there has to be a disincentive created by the league stronger than the incentive to keep your mouth shut. That's right. Strategically. So the, the, the Buccaneers don't know they're not going to see Bijan Robinson. There has to be something that is out there for people to know, and that's for the league to figure out. And I've asked the league twice now, and I'm going to have to ask them three times. I'm going to ask them four times. I'm going to keep asking them, what is your comment on what happened yesterday? They cannot ignore this, not with all the money they're making off of legalized gambling. Yeah. All right, we'll take a look at what happened in Kansas City yesterday when PFT Live continues right after this. Bernie Kosar, a Bernie Kosar sighting, but you know what? We figured out the connection. 
Kosar, Browns quarterback. Right. Kelsey's yep. from, from Cleveland, Cleveland Heights. Right. So I don't know where they are before the game. Well, that doesn't is, look like any tent that they set up in the parking lot. Uh, That's somebody's house. It's Kelsey. I mean, maybe it's the new $6 million house he bought, or maybe it's just the old one he's getting rid of. But, yeah, of all the things I thought I wouldn't have saw on social media yesterday, it would be Bernie Kosar with Taylor Swift. I didn't expect to see that one. Well, and, you know, I kind of have gotten to the point where I expect to see Taylor Swift at every game. She's been at every game except she, the Vikings. She's game. all in. Yeah. All in. I mean, she's doing touchdown dances and has celebrations with Mrs. Mahomes. I mean, it, I, I'm kind of enjoying it. Like, I feel like there's people, like, hating on it right now. And I want to be well, like, think, I, like, like, how is the mention of Taylor Swift right. or the cutaway to Taylor Swift, how is that affecting your enjoyment of watching the game? Because they always cut away to something. Yeah. So it's either cut away to Taylor Swift or somebody you've never seen before. Like, yes, I'd rather see Taylor or, Swift. Or the, or the Chargers fan who has acquired the bag now with oh. the Buffalo Wild Wings hat. Oh. That's all I'm saying about it. I, I, don't think, I don't think she went to the store and bought a Buffalo Wild Wings hat. I don't think they were giving them out to the first 30,000 fans at Arrowhead State. I don't think she was wearing that hat to keep the sun out of her yeah. eyes. I, and I'm, I'm a capitalist. I'm all for it. Get paid while you can. So it's either cut away to Taylor Swift or cut away to the Chargers fan or cut away to somebody you've never seen before. But they always do cutaways. Yes. It doesn't affect. Right. It's just it's just weird. The hatred of it is weird because it takes nothing away. Right. People are going to start questioning themselves and going, wait, why am I mad? They're showing the most famous person on the planet celebrating for one of the best players in the NFL. What are you mad at? Like, do some self-reflecting. Look in the mirror. Maybe you're mad at yourself, okay? Uh, but either way, it's a fun game. That first half of that game was just like unbelievable. 320 yards passing. 321. 321 I'm by thinking Mahomes. finally the Norm Van Brocklin right. single-game record from right. 1951. Isn't that yeah. amazing? September 29, 1951, Norm Van Brocklin threw for 554 yards, and that record still stands. And it's going to take a game like this where it's close. You yeah. know, three, 321 and it's a seven-point game. Exactly. Because Tom Brady was on pace to break that record against the Lions a few years ago, right. but they but took him out because it was, was, a, it was right. a destruction. They didn't even play in the fourth but, quarter But it almost. did peter out. He, yeah. he only got 400 yards. But <laughs> he should hang his head in shame. Well, he played great. It's as good as we've seen the Chiefs' offense look all year. Now, I don't know if I want to sit here and go, oh, I think they're fixed and it looks better. I do think there was elements that look better. But as we know, this is not a good Chargers defense. It's not. there's issues throughout and Mahomes was finding Kelsey in the middle of the field. Like the chargers didn't know Travis Kelsey played for the chiefs to the first half of the football game. So, I mean, they got diced up that way. Uh, No doubt about that, but it was good to see, Hey, Valda Scantling, Rasheed Rice continues to get a, a a place in this offense that I think is going to be important for them. They know Kadarius Tony is still scary to me and that element. I just drooled on myself a little bit, Uh, but but yeah, g- good one. Very exciting game. It really was. And there we were, the Chiefs' typical way, right? Third quarter, it's 24-17 Chiefs, and you're going, well, here they go. They're actually going to go down the field here and 
kind of really put it put the Chargers away. Like what we always talk about. They always take their foot off the gas. And then play then, with their food. And then Bell and then Bell fumbles, right? Bell fumbles, which on it was a very questionable, I thought. Did he even catch the ball? It was a bang bang. Either way. Then the Chargers go down the field and you're going, Well, here we go. We're gonna be in a football game. And they're on what, the seven or eight yard line? Charles Amanhue t- tips the ball, Herbert trying to throw the ball over the middle, tipped up in the air, Legarius Sneed gets the interception, and uh, that was kind of all she wrote, or you felt like that kind of squashed the Chargers chances. Two quick points about the Chargers. Yeah. Number one, it's right. inexcusable to have no plan for a guy that you face twice a year in Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it's pretty inexcusable. Crazy. Yeah. When you're a defensive head coach right. to have no plan. For Travis Kelsey, twelve catches in a year where yards. they don't have another receiver right. that you're really worried about. Right? Inexcusable. Right. Number two, after yeah. the game, Brandon right. Staley said, and "We love Brandon Staley." Yeah. He said they need to hit the reset button. You better be careful about putting that idea into the ether in the Spanos office because mm-hmm. the reset button at this point is move on from Brandon Staley. That's the most obvious reset button because it can't be Justin Herbert's fault. Even though you and I both are kind of like, yeah, he's is not Justin at his best Herbert right really now. Really, that guy is he's he not at really his best. The guy they've paid him, so they've decided he's the guy. So it can't be him. They're not moving on from him. The reset button is going to be new head coach next year, if not interim coach before that. Quick break. More PFT Live right after this. This is the game. Out of the eye, they need the touchdown. Walker gives to Kareem Hunt. Pushing, pushing, touchdown! Kareem Hunt got it across the goal line! Kareem Hunt, are the cardiac kids back? The Cleveland Browns pulling off the victory 39-38. Not a misprint. Not 3-3, not 9-8. 38. The Browns, who had given up 1,002 yards in five games, gave up over 400 yesterday to the Colts and still won the game. That play at the end, too, I asked Kareem Hunt afterward because I thought maybe he'd be pissed off because the guy, you see Jalen Jones, pulling him, literally, by Hands the face mask, face mask, pulling, pulling him, him away. Field to play, he didn't right. even realize. Yeah. He was so focused on getting that touchdown, he didn't even realize that the guy had done that. But look at it. I mean, I've never seen that before. That kind of a violent yank knowing damn well exactly what you're doing and trying to sell to the ref afterward that he didn't make it across the goal line because I managed to pull him back by grabbing his face mask and yanking it. I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing. How does that get missed? That's, I, that's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. If we're sitting in Stanford, Connecticut, and we see it clean, clean as day, then the guy that's on the edge of the field that's like just, you know, 30 feet away, he, he's got to see that. Well, he's looking to see whether or not the I know the guy I know. scored. That's I know. The problem. Well, he'd already got. That's there why you need to have back, Sky Judge but, say, but, "Pull that fly guy." So game anyway, was crazy. Anyway, Miles Garrett, yeah, incredible, right, dominant, yep. And it's good they won because I hated to think that his performance yesterday would have been squandered. Yeah, you need a win as the exclamation point on the holy crap stuff that he did yesterday with a couple of sacks the strip sack in the end zone that set up a touchdown, jumping over the line was incredible. to block a field goal. Incredible. Guy can do it all. He can do it all. He's definitely one of the best defensive players in football. We know that. I mean, double teamed right there and goes around both of them, right? This, I mean, to jump over the right guard like that, not make contact, get a block field goal. So, like, yeah, I'm with you. The performance, I didn't want that to be squashed by Miles Garrett. I didn't want their win last week against the 49ers to be squashed. If you go into Indianapolis, it's kind of just like, eh, then it was just a one-hit 
wonder kind of thing with you guys, huh? Now they need more. They need better quarterback play. It's phenomenal. They've won two games in a row without really having much of a threat of the pass game. And most people are going to look at this and go, well, they let up 38 points and 456 yards of offense. The defense still won the game. They did. Whether it was the first strip sack that led to points, whether it was the strip sack that got the touchdown, Denzel Ward made the big interception, uh, the, the, the start of the third quarter that gave them a touchdown, and, of course, the blocked field goal. They were all huge moments that were, again, set up by the defense. They ran the ball well. Um, it was a lot of fun, a fun game to watch, and it shows you how good Shane Steichen is with all those big plays that Colts offense made. And with the game on the line, yeah. the Cleveland offense moved the ball down the field and got the win with the assistance of a couple of questionable calls. Yes, the P.I. The illegal contact the that gave contact, him first and goal yes. on the eight, and right. then the P.I., as one of my writers said, that ball was uncatchable by Dwight Clark on a ladder. It was in the tunnel almost. That it's one, amazing. It almost now, landed in the stands. Here's the first one, right? Strip sack. You're going, oh, my gosh, the Colts are going to pull this off. They strip sack P.J. Walker. And the question is going to be, did P.J. Walker already fumble by the time this defensive holding right. or illegal contact happened? And that's is, really not – it wasn't – like we've seen less than that or De- worse, far worse than that call. That ball's not catchable. No, that one's ridiculous. You got to right be there. 10 feet tall to make that a catchable pass. Yeah, that, that's where, again, I just feel like common sense is just not that common right now with some of the referees and what's going on to steal a phrase from Yogi Berra. Uh, but uh, you said it. They needed a drive. Finally, the offense at the end of the football game, that got it done. Uh, but the defense still, man, they, they fly around and make plays. But, man, Gardner Minshew played well. Uh, Shane Steichen obviously had a feel for Jim Schwartz and what that defense does because, I mean, Gardner threw some passes to Josh Downs or whoever where you were like, nobody's around. It's like he's eight or ten yards of separation. And then they ran the ball really well with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. Colts are, you know, they're not there yet, but they're going in the right direction and got a lot of things to admire. And Shane Steichen's an unbelievable offensive mind. Real quick, we need to be watching this week on the status of Deshaun Watson. Left for a concussion evaluation. Oh, right. was cleared to return. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, decided not to put him back in harm's way. Shoulder issue. They're still concerned about it. And Stefanski said after the game, he's our starter. He's going to start next week in Seattle. Watson said, I pray it's nothing worse as it relates to his shoulder. So who knows? Yeah. You know, it was already kind of dicey. Maybe it'll be P.J. Walker again. And something Devin McCourty was saying last night, like if Deshaun comes in and doesn't play all that well, are you going to have guys in the locker room saying maybe P.J. Walker should be playing? Well, the, the PJ Walker hasn't played well enough to get that yeah. talk I think in the locker room yet but but, but I understand your point yeah. and if he does if he improves and they start to put up some offensive points uh, you know I, people are going to wonder but I think Deshaun Deshaun was not good yesterday he, he was not he threw an interception he threw another interception that the guy dropped yeah. right that they originally called interception yeah. and we saw it hit the ground he's got to be better it's unbelievable Cleveland won two games in a row without very good quarterback play. our 92nd or less Monday Night Football preview when PFT here it is lies. Ooh, yeah, it's right it going this. down to the Niners <laughs> Well, 
Well, it's just a 30-second Monday Night Football preview. And look at all the 49ers fans. The faithful taking over U.S. Bank Stadium. You can have it Trouble. 35-21, 49ers win. Trouble. I might not even watch it. Oh, bull crap. I might not even watch it. You baby, you better watch the damn game. All right? Take it like a man. Watch Shanahan I'm going to drink that Eagles booze. Beat the ass of the Vikings. I'm going to drink that Eagles booze. All right, do something like that. And then call them and get me a sweatshirt. All right. All right? See you tomorrow. See ya.